What is up, Alex City, and welcome back to Spocast. I have an amazing episode for you today. Today, I interviewed Ronaldo Kiel Zambrano. He's an award-winning printmaking artist based right here in Spokane. He's originally from Caracas, Venezuela, and I talk all about how he came to settle here in Spokane, all about his practice as a printmaking artist, and about... All the other things he has going on, he is also an assistant professor of printmaking at Gonzaga University. He is the co-founder of Spokane Print and Publishing Center, and he is also the Spanish-speaking host of the very popular podcast, Hello, Print Friend. Uh, This was just an amazing conversation that's been long in the work. I met Ronaldo about a year ago when he came to use my studio when he did an in-person interview for his podcast hello print friend and i've been trying to get him on the podcast for a really long time and it finally happened but it also happened at a perfect time because as we're listening to this on march 13th we get to talking about spokane print fest which is an event he helped start uh and it takes place all throughout the month of april with multiple events across you know, uh, a ton of different places. They they did the the main show at the the Spokane Library's Hive out in on Sprague, but there's also going to be some other breakout events at Terrain and other places around Spokane. Uh, and he's just super super involved in the 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 print community here in Spokane. And and we just talk, you know, like I said, all about that and and how he came to to create this amazing community um, within our city. It's it's such a cool story. His story is very unique of how he came to be in Spokane. And he, I, I mean, he's just an, a, a genuine, amazing human being. And I know I've said that multiple times on already, but like it has, it cannot be said more because I get to meet all these great people. And, in, and I know that they're good people, but then when you get to sit and have a conversation with them about what they are passionate about and what they love. Like you just get to to see the side of people light up and talk about their passions. And it's, it's so exciting to, to see that and to see what he's doing in, in Spokane and, and what he'll be doing here for years to come. He's a, like I mentioned, he's a professor. So at Gonzaga, so he's on the track to be a tenured professor there. So I got a feeling we're going to see a lot from Ronaldo over the course of these next, hopefully, decades of just seeing his art grow. And I'm really looking forward to you being able to listen to this interview. It was a lot of fun. But before we get into the interview, I got to say thank you to all of my amazing Spokastonites, my Patreon supporters. Uh, I Honestly, I say this every week too, but I cannot do this podcast without you. You're, I know I'm slow on the content on Patreon, but like really the money that I'm receiving from my, my Patreon supporters is all going directly back into Spokast and is really helping me create this podcast on a weekly basis. And I'm actually, and I, I've also teased this a lot that with the support that I'm getting, I'm going to be announcing 
where that money will be going to monthly here very soon. I have a lot of big news coming up in the next month or so, but this is a a really big piece of it. And I I can't wait to unveil what this next stage of Spocast is going to be like. And it really is directly impacted by my Patreon supporters and and I and I I just can't thank you all enough. Those Patreon supporters are Elizabeth Geyer, Amanda Kerr, Abby Pointer, Lee Wick, Gina Campbell, Tyler Poole, Joe Van Voorhis, Pamela Smith, Briscoe, Sarah Thorpe, Judy Pointer, Zach Hawkins, Amber Sparks, Luke Baumgarten, Pila Hollenberg, Valerie Ossier, Alex Lea. Nick Spanger, and Elizabeth and Bill Pointer. Thank you all so much. Uh, If you want to become a Patreon supporter and help me grow this podcast even more, please go to patreon.com backslash Spocast and sign up for one of my four tiers uh, and uh, help support and grow this to even bigger heights higher heights. That's probably what I should have said. But uh, thank you all again. Uh, it, it means a lot. And again, I do have a lot of big news coming up in the next in the next month or so. I, I'm not sure exactly when I can announce all this stuff, but it's all happening and it's all very exciting and uh, it's, it's cool. But uh, today, as I'm recording this, is, is March 12th. You're listening to it on March 13th. I just got out of a really cool interview with a podcast I helped produce called The Perimeter with Adam Morrison. And he just interviewed Drew Timmy uh, in probably what was one of the biggest interviews Adam's ever done on the show. Uh, definitely one of the biggest interviews that ever happened in this studio. And it was an honor to be able to sit in this room and be a fly on the wall while two Gonzaga greats uh, got to talk shop and talk all about Drew's career at Gonzaga, what's next for him, uh, some Mark Few stories, some other fun stories, some name image likeness stories. Like we just, it was a very unfiltered interview and it, and I, I don't think you would get this side of Drew in just like a short little 15 minute or even like five minute interview. It's, it was a very unique experience and, and I, when it releases uh, in the next week or so, I will definitely put it on my feed, and I hope that you go listen to it, even if you aren't that huge of a Gonzaga fan, because Drew Timmy is also just a a, a great human as well. Yeah, I mean, you see him on the court, you see his passion for basketball, but he is so humble, and you wouldn't know, other than him being like six seven, you wouldn't know that he is one of the greatest. Gonzaga players of all time, or one of the greatest NCAA players uh, currently in, in 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 college. Like it's it's cool to see someone so down to earth and team focused, and just uh, you can also like like Ronaldo can just tell that his passion for basketball is just is limitless, and he's no matter what what happens after school here at Gonzaga, like he's going to be, Drew's going to be successful in whatever he does next. So um, go find that podcast on the perimeter with Adam Morrison. Uh, And then in other special fun news, next Sunday, I will be back in the studio recording a podcast with Isaac Hauser, who is the owner 
and creator of Sando, which is a uh, sandwich shop on Maple or Ma- Maple and Ash. It's uh, where the old Taco Vado used to be, but now it's a drive through spot where you can get um, breakfast sandwiches and lunch sandwiches. And I have not been there yet. I'm going to go there this week before I interview him. But the sandwiches I hear are amazing. Isaac is just amazing as well. He has, uh, he's such a, an interesting guy. I got to sit in another interview with him a couple weeks ago and he, he just is doing cool things and he's a really young chef doing, uh, you know, cool things in a, in Spokane. And, but the other really exciting news of that interview is I'm going to be doing it with the OG crew of, um, Andrea Williams and Nate Martin. They're going to be joining me and we're hopefully going to be doing one episode a month uh, together um, for the foreseeable future. We're, they're going to come in, and we're going to we're going to try to do at least one interview a month with all all three of us, and an, and a fourth person. And I, I say I can't do this podcast without my current Patreon supporters, but Spocast would not exist without those two. And it's I it, I always want to get them back in the studio to do the podcast again, but I know. Time doesn't allow them to do a weekly podcast, and but to be able to get them once a month to do the OG style of what Spocast is is really how I foresee this podcast. And I uh, I I enjoy doing the interviews by myself, but it's just it's it's never the same when they're not here. And I it's gonna be this a whole bunch of love going around during that interview and being with them again in the studio is going to be, it's going to be a fun time. So again, thank you all so much for listening to the Spocast. Uh, thank you all for your support. And if you like what you're listening to, please, I, I don't ever talk about this. Please go rate the show on Spotify or Apple podcasts and, uh, Give it five stars if you can, or whatever you can give them on on and leave a review in on Apple Podcasts. It helps out a lot too. But I don't ask for reviews much, but it does help. And I, you know, I always tell my podcasts that I help produce, like, hey, you should tell your listeners to go review and rate and uh, and please, if you can do that for me, that'd be great too. So, um, well, I will not keep you much longer. Here is my interview with Master Printmaker Gonzaga Professor co-founder of Spokane Print and Publishing, and host on Hello Print Friend. Here is Ronaldo Yil Zambrano. Enjoy. Well, I've already introduced you if you're uh, uh, from the intro, but I'm, I'm sitting here with Ronaldo Gil Zambrano. Did I say that right? Yeah. Well, it's actually Hill. 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 Sub- okay. I, that, I should have asked you before. I <laughs> before I should. <laughs> I just uh, assumed. But you're a a printmaking artist, an assistant professor of printmaking at Gonzaga University. Uh, I mean, and you also opened the Spokane Print and Publishing. You're the co-founder there, uh, and you can find your murals all over the city and your prints or you I mean, you're, I've seen you at uh bazaar. I've seen you at other uh, events and I, I'm just excited to get to know you more. I, we met cause Luke Baumgarten uh, introduced us because you needed to do a live podcast and you used my space. And that was like over six months ago. And I was like, I need to get you on the podcast. And 
here we are. <laughs> so thank awesome. you for coming on, Ronaldo. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, how did how did you find yourself in Spokane? Well, so I went to Moscow to the University of Ohio, of Idaho to do my masters. Okay. There. And in my third year, I met my wife, oh. Ashley Vaughn. Um, so I wanted to. In that time, we were still dating. So I wanted to stick around. Um, I moved to Spokane, where she's originally from. And I got a job at Eastern Washington University teaching drawing and design. So, I mean, we like it. Once she graduated, uh, she moved here. Um, we pretty much just stay here. Wow. Uh, and you're, uh, you're originally from Venezuela. Mm-hmm. From uh, Caracas, Venezuela, correct. And how, how like, did you, I, I know you came to spoke, like, was your first time in America going to the University of Idaho? And no, I originally went to close to Boise, Colwell, okay. uh, to the College of Idaho to do my undergrad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, that was, uh, yeah, in 2009 to 2013. And that was the second time that I came to the United States. But the first time that I came as a student. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, and I, I guess I, I want to start with, like, I want to kind of... Where did you get into, like, how did the art start? Like, where where did it all begin for a young Ronaldo? Well, I mean, since I remember, I always liked to draw. Yeah. So I always, uh, I was really into watching comics or anime, Dragon Ball Z, you mm. know, all the stuff. Um, and I was always, like, drawing, um, drawing on my walls. And my parents were really supportive because they even allowed me to paint and draw on my wall that was next to my bed oh wow on the bedroom that i used to share with my with my brother growing up yeah um and it was like one thing took to the other like um i went to school to study science because in that time like there was not a lot of opportunities to to study uh, arts in high school yeah but i was always like painting a backdrop for uh, theater plates i was also doing some graffiti with friends Mm. I was always really involved into arts and watching videos and watching um, documentaries, collecting magazines about drawing. Um, and I always loved going to the museums. And I felt that being an artist was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So um, there is no a lot of uh, there is no artists in my family. There are some musicians, but um, but I always felt that everybody was really supportive, and I I felt that that was the the biggest. Uh, honor to 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 have which was to be an artist or to be called an artist so that's why i always wanted to do since i was a kid so like as a student in venezuela like do you 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 have to are you like do you pick a track of like what you want to do like you said you were studying science like in high school like is is that like is that how like most people go through high school like you pick something that you want to do and then kind of go with it yeah so it's like two pretty much two areas Uh, there is a science and the humanities so depending on the school where you go you can do any or the other so um, i mean in the one that i went it was mostly science so you don't really pick your 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 classes like you do here yeah like you have a set of classes and that's what you do until you graduate in high school Mm. yeah so that's basically what i did so how did you decide like i'm not going to pursue this anymore in high school and I'm going to do art. I want to do art. Yeah. So I was always doing it like in my own time. But then when I graduated from high school, I was getting ready to, I always say this, like I was getting ready to, to become the worst architecture ever because that was the area <laughs> mm. of like career that somehow was associated with arts. Mm-hmm. And so, but I was lucky enough that 
that I got a scholarship for the United World Colleges in Costa Rica. Uh. Um, when I moved there, when I was 16 years old, uh, I spent two years in this school that was a beautiful international school, 75 kids from 72 different countries. Oh, wow. Um, and that was the moment when I was able to like start taking really serious art classes. Okay. So, oh, so like high schools, I, I mean, I guess I should, wouldn't know this obviously, but high school is just a lot different in Venezuela. Like you, so you left, so after high school, you went to this school. Yeah. And like uh, another high school. Another so high I school. I did an like, international bachelor. Oh, yeah. okay. IB. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so then that take you to then uh, Caldwell and the, your, your first school? Exactly. Yeah. Because I went to Costa Rica for two years and then this international diploma, you can apply to any school in the world. Oh. So then like, I mean, Shelv Davis, who is the sponsor of UWC's scholarships in the United States, um, he offered me a, a scholarship to go to the College of Idaho, and that's how I end up here yeah. in Potato Land. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, Cole, yeah, it's well. I guess you got. I mean, you're pretty close to Boise, so yeah. like, there's like that. There you have that big because like Spokane and Boise are kind of they're very similar in size. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, I think it's a little. I don't know. I mean, I haven't been to Boise in a really long time. It changed a lot. Yeah. What What year did you get there? Uh, 2009 to 2013. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, Wow. Did, um, what was the, I mean, what, what was, when you first came to America, was it visiting like the first time? Yeah. My parents took me to Orlando okay. when we were growing up. Yeah. Um, so was it, was it a, when you came here for school, was it just a culture shock? Like, yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, the same reaction that you had, uh, the guy from the embassy, when he was giving me my visa, he was just laughing at me when, when he saw where I was going. Oh, because okay. I was going to Idaho, right? <laughs> right. So then when I arrived there, of course, it was cultural shock because there was not a lot of international students in that school. Okay. And the town was really small in that moment. Yeah. So, I mean, you definitely stand out. Um, yeah. And I, my English was really bad in that moment. I mean, it's getting a little bit better. Mm -hmm. But in that time, it was really, really basic. Um, so it was... Uh, um, it was a, tra a hard transition, like being in that level of college, uh, um, trying to study uh, without really uh, knowing the language mm -hmm. was definitely a challenge. So I yeah. pretty much started like hanging out more with American students to somehow force myself to learn yeah. the language. Um, and it was a process, but it was uh, it was amazing. It was hard, but it was amazing. But then, of course, like the, the community there wasn't used to like international students. So you can hear it somehow, mm. like people being a little bit rude on the on the streets, right? Yeah. Like saying stuff and whatever. But then what we decided to do, we got all the international students got together. We founded what was called the ISO, mm. International Students Organization. And we started doing things to share our culture and bring the community inside, like mm. to come in, you know? And yeah. so we started doing like uh, cultural shows. We started doing... Um, the International Food Festival. Mm. Um, so little by little, like that trick uh, uh, made, made them curious. The community uh, became curious and they came to the schools and started to somehow interacting with us. And now, like I went there uh, like four years ago to do a workshop uh, as a visiting artist and the culture is totally different. Like mm. everybody's like super welcoming. Yeah. Like, um, and it doesn't feel that shock. So. Yeah. <laughs> That's... I was going to ask, like, I, I'm not familiar with down there too much, but I was going to ask if there is much of a Spanish community down there. 
There is, uh, yeah. especially in Nampa. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, in Boise and in, uh, yeah, there is like, of course, because there is a lot of agriculture too. Yeah. So you're going to see uh, Mexican communities. Did sure. you did you have any idea of where you were going? Like, did you, I mean, you could probably see it on a map, obviously, but like, yeah. did you, like, that has to be, yeah, going to Idaho is, yeah, I could see why someone would giggle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, then, and I mean, and no, I didn't. And I was so excited that mm. I was getting the opportunity to go with a full ride to study art yeah. that I didn't care. Yeah. I was like, I'm just going to seize the moment, I'm going to learn so much, and I'm mm. going to make the things that I always wanted to make. Nice. So, yeah. So I didn't really care. But when I arrived, um, I mean, those four years were a little bit rough. Yeah. So then when I went back to Venezuela... Uh, I spent a year there and then I applied for grad school. I was, during that process, I was trying to go really far away from Idaho. Like I wanted to go to Europe. I applied to a UK, you know, to different places. But the school that offered me a full ride was located in Idaho. So I went back. So the second time when I was flying to (laughs) Moscow, I wasn't very happy. I wasn't excited, but Mm. I was kind of like, okay, I'm going to take this to focus on my art. Yeah, but it was a total different experience. Uh, Moscow is an amazing community, super mm-hmm. welcoming, colorful. Um, that was a great experience. Those three years there. Yeah, um, I feel that that's one of the schools. Uh, it's a gem. Like I don't think people really appreciate the quality of education that you get there, especially in the art department. Mm. Is 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 amazing. That's a, that's I did not know that. That's awesome to know. I mean, I mean, it's and it is a a college. I mean, you're, it's Moscow and then it's Pullman right next to each other. And so like you have, it is like, I can understand why it is a little bit more of a, a better community because there's just so many students. I mean, it's those communities are built on those universities. Mm-hmm, uh, sure. And then, so you, so you met your wife there mm-hmm. and then, and then you moved to Spokane to become a professor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you'd been to Spokane before. Yeah. Uh, um, where did like where like when you were moving here like did you did you both have like ideas of where you wanted to like what neighborhood you decide to 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 live in? Well, I ended up in Brown's Editions oh, in nice. a really small oh. like closet apartment mm. where I usually joke that I can't be sitting on the toilet and flipping the pancakes at the same time because <laughs> it was that tiny. Wow! But uh, I mean, it was I mean. Getting out of grad school, not really money, you know, like it was, I, I didn't have a job. Mm. And so I was waiting until starting uh, at Eastern. So that transition was a little bit rough, but but it was fine. Mm. Uh, it allowed me to spend a lot of time by myself and yeah. get to learn. And also I was surrounded carving in the floor of the kitchen. Um, and it just makes me realize the how spoiled we are when we go into school. And mm. the needs, you know, the voids uh, of not having a printmaking studio uh, around available for you to continue pursuing your your practice. Oh, wow. Well, I'm sure that's why your the the Spokane Print came into. I bet we'll talk about that yeah, in, for sure. in, in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, like just to continue with that, I came to Spokane a couple of times before in 2012 and 2011 because I used to date a girl that moved here. Mm. And I didn't like it at all. Oh, yeah. I yeah. remember that. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, my God, that place is always great. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it didn't, it, it, the downtown was still developing. Right. And I wasn't really excited. But this, the, the, this time when I came in 2017, it was totally different. Once you're immersed in a community, you really get to appreciate and see the potential on it. Yeah. So I was really excited. Well, yeah. That. Like, when you, if you came here in 2011 and you were looking for, like, an, an art scene, like, 
I mean, terrain was just in the beginnings and the art galleries that, I mean, we had the Mac, obviously. I mean, we have the Mac and then, but I mean, I don't even know if terrain had a, a, a full-time gallery yet. And there, there wasn't much in terms of the, an art scene here yet. And, uh, yeah. um, I think first Friday started around that time as well. But, uh, but yeah, that is, that is interesting. Uh, but how oh, I, I want, so yeah, I want to get into all this in, in the next, in the guts of the show. Before that, I, I want to, I want to break it up a little bit. I want to play a little quick little game. <laughs> it's called the Spocast Hot List. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to ask, I'm going to say a word and you're going to say the first word that comes to remi- your mind <clears throat> as it relates to Spokane. And I always start with an easy one. Uh, park. Riverfront. Okay. <laughs> I, I think it's too easy. I like. I always say park, and I, I think Riverfront Park gets it every time, just because we're you like have yeah. to look at it when you walk into I'm the say studio. Manito. Then. Oh no! <laughs> there you go. The second second most popular <laughs> uh, coffee. No, I don't really drink coffee. So okay, yeah, I would say Atticos. Okay, music venue. Um, man, I used to love the Barlet, mm. but lucky you, beer. No lie. Artist. Daniel Lopez. Mm. Burger. Darkins. Darkins? Oh, Darkins, yeah. 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 Uh, sweet treats. Mm. Uh, Can be anything, like candy or any type of... Yeah. yeah. Um, well, ice cream from Kendall Yards. Uh, what is oh, it called? The Scoop. The scoop. Mm. Yes. Uh, shopping. Um, from here. Of course. <laughs> uh, breakfast or or brunch? Um, chaps. Mm. Event. Terrain. Tacos. Um, uh, well, let's say cochinito. Okay. Neighborhood. Browns. Pizza. Uh, Tertolia? Uh, Tritania, uh, what is oh, the name of it? Oh, Versalia? Yeah, Versalia, yeah, yes. they switched. They yeah. switched the name, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah Versalia. Um, and uh, <laughs> I'm going to add this in your... I, I, I don't even know if this if this exists in Spokane. Uh, Venezuelan food. My house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say, the, I think Spokane is most known for not having much diversity in their food at all. Like, I know you can go to, like, bigger cities and get fine Venezuelan food, but, like... I don't even think I've ever heard of a Venezuela place in, yeah. in Spokane. Well, uh, Fee's Kitchen. Oh. Um, um, I know that sometimes they have um, a Venezuelan chef there. I think her name is Alejandra. Um, oh. She cooks there sometimes. Nice. Yeah. I Sometimes my wife and I, if we like to do ayacas and we give it to our friends. So we might join you to uh, um, make you join the list. Too. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What like What is like the main like type of... What is like a Venezuelan like meal? Well, well I mean, we eat a lot of... Meat, a lot of rice, um, and it's a bunch of stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, black beans. Uh, okay. Well, one of the most traditional things is arepas, which is basically a corn pancake. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's, imagine a tortilla, but it's thick, like a gordita, and, mm. and you grill it on both sides, or you can eat it fry. And it has this really crunchy um, shelf, and then inside it's really soft, and you open it, you put butter, and you can stuff it with whatever you want. Oh, like meat or any, like meat, any of the beans. Yeah, oh, man. Well, I mean, we try to draw the line between the <laughs> sweet. I know that my wife wants to put like honey um, oh. and stuff on it, but 
I always tell her like, okay, give some dignity to the Arab, uh, to the Arepa, you know. But I mean, <laughs> you can put pretty much everything, um, and yeah, you just eat it, breakfast, dinner. It's really oh, good. That sounds delicious. Yeah. Uh, well, awesome. I, th- I, we already kind of talked about how you. Well, we talked about how you got an art, um, but I want to get into. So when you're, an, I know when you're an artist, like there's so many mediums that you're like playing with, like because you're there's paint there's i'm gonna there's photography there's film there's so many different types of art that you can get into Mm -hmm. um obviously as a um you do relief print printing how did you get into that yeah so i was always drawing a lot um and i was doing a lot of charcoal and a lot of ink drawings based or pretty much inspired by graphic novels okay so when i went to grad school uh, my friend tim han from korea he told me that I should try a relief printmaking because my drawings seem like printmaking. Oh, okay. Uh, so I didn't realize that I was trying to pursue this graphic quality of my drawings. Mm. Uh, but then when I started looking at the prints, it kind of makes sense. So I got a piece of wood. He gave me some tools. I started carving. But it wasn't until I rolled the ink on top of that block mm. and I printed on a present on a piece of paper and I pull it, yeah. that thing was kind of like magical because it was this instant moment. You can see everything really graphic, black and white. Yeah. And it was so crisp. And you said texture that you cannot really replicate with anything else. Yeah. So since then I got really hooked. And also it was not just um not just the process, but it was also the community next to it. Mm. Like printmakers are really close to each other. They're really um, um, supportive of each other. Yeah. You can email a printmaker and up with a question, that person is going to help you out. Yeah. Like there is always this sense of like sharing secrets about the practice because printmaking is bigger than us. Yeah. So everybody wants to like somehow contribute to that tradition instead of like just keeping all the secrets for yourself. That's um, I love that. So I have a really good friend who is a printmaker um, or leaf printmaker. His name is Darren Smith. Uh, and when I m- mentioned that I was going to be interviewing interviewing you, he was like, "Oh, I, I used to. I mean, I know Ronaldo, and we used to do stuff together. And I know there used to be like a big. I don't know if they do it anymore, but it was in Coeur d'Alene. They would take a big." Like a like a a rolling truck. I don't know what you call it. Asphalt roller. Yeah. And mm-hmm. were, were you part of that event? Yeah. We we started that um, crazy enough. I believe it's seven years ago. Okay. With uh, Jenny Hextech uh, at mm. the Merch Gallery. Oh wow. So um, yeah, we started, and that was inspired by. I mean, the first time that I saw that was in Montana with Professor Jim Bailey. He does the asphalt roller uh, Day of the Dead project there for like twenty five years. Oh wow. Um. So we decided to do that. So we invite um, artists from all, all over the region. They carve these massive blocks. Um, I think the size is pretty much like five by four feet. Mm. And then we ink them all together. Um, we, we use an asphalt roller as a makeshift press. Yeah. And then we just print this really big pixel narrative and we invite everybody to see the, the thing. Yeah. And did you, do you sell the print afterwards? Yeah. yeah. Jenny, Jenny is pretty good at that yeah so yeah so it's it's a whole event right like it's about highlighting the artists uh highlighting the narrative uh, celebrate the community um it, pretty much like everybody pitching in in order to print these things and then of course like inviting people to the process of printmaking um yeah and they get to see the narrative is there is usually a theme mm. that we follow um then people purchases the pieces that's amazing uh when you like 
when you were making the shift to doing relief printing, like, was that like, is that something that you decide in college? Like, I'm going to become a, like a relief print artist. No, I think it's just something that happened. Like I yeah. fell in love with it. And then I realized that I was just often drawing, um, carving. Okay. And yeah. And then printing because it was just so much fun. And every time that you do something, it looks a little bit different to what you were expecting. Mm. So you're never fully satisfied. So yeah. that pushed you to try it again. Yeah. And you keep just getting into this loop, you know, of like just carving and printing and sharing it with people. And then I got in, I started to get invited to universities to do talks and, mm. and do workshops. And then we opened the print shop and stuff. And it's just like, you're just so into it that, yeah. that it's really difficult to get out. But now, because I teach, um, I have been pushed to like gravitate to other uh pre-making processes okay. like screen printing and uh, etchings, you know, because you need to teach it. And then the also help you out to communicate your, I mean, to enrich your, your own practice. Yeah. Well, it seems like you just have a passion for sharing and teaching. Like, is that, I mean, like, was the plan after school to, to become a teacher no like i mean my parents are teachers okay um and you know what they say in spanish is like the son of the cat like hunts the mice mm. i don't know i'm butchering that <laughs> but but basically yeah like i always find the fascination for like sharing uh, information with people and showing them the possibilities and i also saw that with many projects that i have done the when you allow people to take these massive projects um they're kind of overwhelming and then they they feel so empowered when they mm. finish the project. Uh, and it's kind of like, and you can see them getting so excited and so happy. Then later on, that becomes kind of addictive. Um, mm. and, and then it's just like, it's just like, I have so much fun doing it that if I can share with other people and they have fun too, it's just, it just becomes this loop. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and that took me into teaching. Um, and Gonzaga offered me a tenure track position, and here we are now. Wow, yeah, that's really cool. Um, when, I don't know where I'm, I'm struggling. Sure, like, I just feel like there's so much, there's so many different directions to go right now. And uh, how, like, what was when Gonzaga like? Were you you were teaching at Eastern, correct? Yes, but but they approached you. Yeah, well, no, it oh. was an uh, adjunct. So oh, I was okay. an adjunct at, at Eastern, and okay. COVID just hit it, uh, uh. just hit. So, um, I mean, they didn't offer me another contract because when you're an adjunct, you just receive contracts every quarter. Right. But yeah, I was applying to the position, um, mm. and yeah, so I went through the whole process, and, mm. and I was offered the position after the selection process. Nice. So it was great because, I mean, I didn't have a job, and then they offered me this really amazing opportunity, um, and yeah, and it just feels... It just feels awesome. Yeah. How, how big is the the art program at Gonzaga? Well, so we recently, like two years ago, we started the BFA program, the Bachelor in Fine Arts. Yeah. So it's like really getting serious. You mm. know? So, um, so I mean, we have a, a small faculty, a, a tenure track faculty, but we also have like a adjuncts, right? Like our amazing adjuncts. Um, and yeah, and we can uh, we have been seeing a growth, a growth after COVID. Yeah. in the amount of students that, that we have been getting. So um, that's really exciting because uh, before, I don't think people were thinking about Gonzaga has a place to study art. Mm. But now, like, I mean, they're considering that even more. For sure. Yeah. Well, it, so typically, like, if a... Can, you can get your, obviously, graduate in in arts, but, mm -hmm. like, in, like, but it, the, the next step is usually to go get your BFA, correct? 
Not yeah. BFA, sorry. Uh, your MFA. MFA. Yeah. Not yeah. necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you want to teach. Right. If okay. you want to teach is the MFA, right? I mean, the MFA allows you to teach okay. in a college level. However, yeah. I mean, the master program is like when you get an opportunity to go two or three years in a really demanding, like process of making work and having critiques and having a cohort of people just pretty much like pursuing art making yeah and it's just i feel that the amount of growth that you get there is is amazing if you go for the right reasons um you know um, and you're really invested in the process well like as you said like you said college students are they're kind of uh they're you have all the best facilities when you're going to college you have a place to do your art you you have your own you have a studio there like you have a like you get your art shown like when you're an artist by yourself it's like i mean it's cutthroat i mean i would say it's cutthroat but i mean it might be I, i don't really know the art world as that well but i know that like you know when you're out there on your own like it's it's hard to to make a living at that and but having going through like a university and going through those programs really probably helps prepare you for that it does it does help right like yeah. i mean but however there is something that i uh, that is necessary right. right you need to have the hunger and you need to have the right. desire and passion mm. you can go through any program but if you don't have that i mean you don't really are going to be pursuing anything right so i mean that's something that i admire for so many artists that haven't go through the the programs but they're still making killer work yeah you know and so so i mean that's kind of um, Going to school is not necessary for making art, yeah. but it definitely helps you uh, help you to like work in your uh, in your language, your mm-hmm. visual language, make associations with art history in order to identify where is your space in history in a way. Right. But the most important thing is like having people around you who are also doing the same processes, making mistakes and sharing those experiences with you. Yeah, and the critiques. Got yeah, and I guess this is why you helped create the Spokane print and publishing, right? Because, I mean, that's just like a community for for your art and for your um, your style. Uh, when did when did, this, when did Spokane print start? Well, we started, I believe, five years ago. Okay. And, yeah, and this was, uh, I'm one of the many yeah. people who came together and, and did this. So, yeah. as I mentioned, uh, I found myself carving in the floor of my kitchen. I yeah. didn't have the equipment because that's why you go to school. That's where the equipment is. And this equipment is a little bit expensive and it's really heavy. Yeah. So you sometimes don't have it. Um, so I got a, uh, I was part of the Richmond Art Collective and I got a Saga Grand and I opened the RGC prints there. So we got a press and we moved it to the second floor on top of the Bartlett, which was awesome because during like the concert, I was printing and you can feel the whole floor like, oh, that's vibrating. Awesome. Yeah, it was uh, awesome. That's so cool. Yeah. But, but anyway, so I then got approached by the Millwood Print Works, which mm. was, you know, Tom yeah. Carraway, Bethany Taylor and Derek Landers. Yeah. So, yeah. So... They were looking for a new space. I was looking for to make something bigger. And then we have Derek Freeland and Dorian Carajalios. And then later on, like Mel um, and Tuna, like join us too. So we all came together. We pitched in. Um, we, uh, we found this space and now we opened the Spokane Print and Publishing Center. Yeah. What, like, what is your, your main goal there? Man, we want to offer space for people to be creative and continue producing, I mean, continue practicing printmaking. Mm-hmm. So we have relief printmaking, etch, uh, uh, relief intaglio, uh, leather press, like publishing and book, book binding, um, marveling, all these, mm. uh, all these 
techniques and machines and instructors. So you can come as a member of the community, mm. pay a really low, bu- uh, like really low fee, mm-hmm. and have the space for you to produce work, yeah, and have access to these things, and also like get to a community yeah. with other makers, um, and you know, and continue pursuing your passion. That's, That's awesome. basically what we wanted to do, and and is having working. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, how many members do you guys have? Wow. You know, that's a really good question. I believe so. We have the annual members, mm-hmm. and then we have the monthly members, and we also have like super members. We have like so, yeah. so many different things, but I believe we are like 30, 30 something annual members, uh, but maybe like around 40 people in total that come to use the space. I love that. Man, yeah. I just like had the biggest idea come in my mind i need to like make sure i remember it after yeah. i'm after i'm done here let's talk yeah. <laughs> uh like do you do you offer i believe you offer classes to the yeah. public as well and yeah. uh and like beginning ways for and for i'm i do you have like List a couple that you that you offer to the well, community. Well, we do we do intro classes. Okay, you know we offer really intro to lino cuts, intro mm. to woodcuts, intro to leather press, uh, poetry classes to mm. uh, book binding, mm. and like how to make your own books, like how to make covers. Um, it's kind of like, and they're all like interconnected because once you do a relief printing class. And then you do a letterpress class. You can like make the illustration to the poem that you wrote, and you can print it on paper. Yeah. And then you can like print multiples and then fold those together and make a book. Yeah. So you keep you you keep like you take one class and then you continue taking more, and then at the end when you see like you are you know like spending pretty much like your whole week there. And, yeah. And it's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we offer those classes and then people pretty much have access to that area in the, in the space during open hours. Do you do anything for kids? Yeah. Well, you know, we had done it in the past. Okay. Uh, but I mean, the thing is like many of the, the tools that we use are pretty yeah. dangerous. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we have it in the past, like we oft, uh, often offer uh, classes. Uh, if you come with your parents, Okay. like you can do it, you know, but we try to keep, it like people who is older than 15 uh, yeah, yeah. T- totally understand i so i graduated from the the falls and d- graphic design and we always had we had to take an art class like as a as a prerequisite and i in that class we did um did some like relief printing like we had those little like i don't forget they're like they're little tiny i'm this is not good for podcast but like a, a little like six by four like little brick like uh not a brick but like you could cut line of cut line of cut yeah, yeah. line of cut thank you linoleum yeah mm-hmm. and uh yeah linoleum, yeah and uh but the tool we used was like very very sharp and oh, if yeah. you like kept your f- hand too close to it you could like nick yourself and i could see that i was just thinking like oh yeah kids probably shouldn't be doing <laughs> too much relief printing they should probably start uh by just drawing <laughs> yeah for sure doing yeah. the easy art first and before they get into the dangerous stuff. exactly yeah there's a lot of liability there yeah because like yeah. you also work with like rollers and stuff, like <laughs> exactly and those presses are really really heavy you know yeah. you can really cross your hand or something so yeah we try to give as much guidance to our members and you know and then they do their thing but, yeah, ab- yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. uh wow that's so cool I, I i need to come by and just check out the space yeah. Where, where's it located so it's 1921 north ash right oh, next to oh, the right. art salvage right next to art salvage we share the same building yeah do you uh are you also close to the Maxwell House? 
Yeah. Yeah. So do you go to the Maxwell house? I went there once okay. uh, and I had, I had a burger there once and then I think they were like renovating. So I oh, haven't yeah. been back. New owner. The, so the Maxwell house is under new ownership yeah. uh, and, uh, and they're owned by I, I'm a really cool group of guys, but um, their roasted chicken there is like... That's what I hear. It's amazing. But I hear that after I ate the burger, so that's why I need to come back. <laughs> right. I need yes. to come back, yeah. Yeah, and the, the, the so you probably went there with the original owners when they were there, mm-hmm. and the original owners like gave the... They had to give the recipe to the new nice. ownership to... Be in order to make it, um, but that's uh, but you should definitely go have the breast chicken there. It's I amazing. It. Uh, let's talk about your podcast. So that I mean how we how we met was you came in and did a um, an episode of your your podcast. Hello, print friend. You had a you had a friend from L.A. Right? Yeah, Pavel Acevedo. Yeah, uh, and you guys came in and did uh, your podcast. And, the, and I think the one of the really cool things about your podcast is that it's bilingual and that like you are the Spanish host mm-hmm. of it and you interview a lot of um, Spanish speaking uh, guests and then you have another co-host. Yeah. Uh, she's the producer. Producer. Okay. Yeah, uh, Miranda Metcalf. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't live in Spokane, correct? No, she live. she keeps moving everywhere. She, okay. When I met her, she was in Australia. Oh, wow. And we met through Skype. And then a year later, after, after a year of collaboration, we met in Austin. Oh, wow. Imagine that. And then she moved to Thailand and now she's in Santa Fe. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, how how did you get did you who how did you come up with this idea or who came up with this idea? Well, Miranda started the podcast uh, at the beginning. It was called Pine Copper Lime in 2018, and she was doing it by herself with her husband. Um, and it was basically to collect stories about printmakers yes. in general from around the world. Yeah. Then during the pandemic, um, we my friend Ben Munoz, who also came during that April with Pavel. Yeah. That was during a Spokane Print Fest. Which oh. happens every April. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. So we started doing this like Instagram interviews with people because we were, you know, it was the pandemic. Like, we were, yeah. So then, um, she invited me. She said, "Hey, you know what? Like, I really like the way that you talk to people and stuff. Mm. Like, would you like to collaborate?" And it was like, "Heck yeah, I want to do that. I want to talk to people about pre-making in Spanish." So yeah. I started collaborating with her, um, and we started developing these interviews with like printmakers from all over Latin America and Spain. Wow, and it's been it's been amazing. Yeah, it's been it's been great. Um, and I'm so happy, and so excited because I have been able to meet some of my heroes through mm. that podcast, and then get to collaborate with them in person. That, and I, I guess that I sh- I should have led with that is that your podcast is all about printmaking yeah. and like different uh, different. I keep on saying styles, but it's that I'm using the wrong term. No, um, techniques, techniques, pro- processes. Yeah, pro- yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and. But it, but, and I was just like, okay, like I, when we, I was like, oh yeah, I'll do that. And I was like, and then I was like going on and looking at the podcast and I was like, oh, well, first of all, like Hello Print Friend has like, I don't know how many followers it has. It has a ton of followers and, and it's a, this is a huge podcast, a ton of people listen to it. And I was just like, that is, it's so cool to, that this exists where all like people are being able to find a podcast, like especially for printmakers, I'm, I'm sure like if I was a, a printmaker, I would definitely would want to listen to the podcast just to, to learn more about it. And uh, what is like is the, is the main part of it is just like learning about the the person's background, uh, how they got into it and like or is there is it more technical than that? Uh, I should say when I was sitting here, you were you did the span you're doing the Spanish version and I 
I don't know a look of Spanish, unfortunately. And I, so I didn't really know what you guys were talking about, but, uh, I, I would assume that it was, a, a about them and about their, their style. Yeah, no, definitely. We talk about how they came into art, what role art had when they were kids, mm. you know, like what pretty much like their, their history and how they got to be pre-makers. Okay. But sometimes, I mean, like, it's pretty organic, but they talk about their process, they talk about their influences, they talk about um, why printmaking is their main thing. Yeah. Um, we don't really go, we sometimes go into technical stuff, but we don't really talk shop that much. Okay. Um, Miranda, uh, her husband, Timothy Pauschak, he offers a patron, a true patron, uh, a thing called Chop Talk. Oh, okay. So he has a, a specific session that they, he does with the guests just to talk chop. Okay. But in my case, like sometimes I throw some of that, but I'm more interested about why they make. Yeah. Um, and I feel that it's a beautiful story or podcast to listen while you're making because... When you're a pre-maker, you're often carving, spending all these hours like by yourself in a tiny little room sometimes or in a <laughs> studio. And you feel that you're talking to a fellow artist who is mm. also knowing that, that that process. Yeah. Um, and it's really inspiring. Um, but but yeah, we, we throw some like pre-making jokes sometimes and things <laughs> like that. Right. But but it's been great because pre-making is not just like the relief and the intaglio and the lithography and the screen printing. But it's also the things that are created, the communities that are built through pre-making. Mm. Like we have people that use it as, um, uh, you know, to create political posters. Mm. Um, 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 pretty much like raise the voices of people that have been invisibilized for, for a while, like in Oaxaca. Mm. Um, you see people that started like posters companies that now collaborate with local artists to make posters about the bands that come into Mexico. Mm. We see people that have been doing things related to recycling, uh, installation work, and all these amazing things. It's just... Yeah, it's, it's just like more than that. And what is also beautiful is that many people who are not related to printmaking have been finding that mm. the community is so tight that then they contribute in another way. Like we have examples like the the Printed Matter, um, Pressing Matter magazine mm. that was developed by by uh, someone who is not a printmaker. Mm. And also the the tiny print, uh, the tiny press, I think it's, that's how it's called, the tiny press uh, project. During the during COVID, this guy like developed a 3D printed tiny press where you can print pretty much like like five by four inches plates. Ah. And then he gave the, the design away for universities to build it so their students can have a press that they can take home and they mm. can continue doing assignments. Yeah, that's so I I love following your your Instagram because when you have the artists come on your show, like you show like a lot of their process. Like they mm -hmm. will give you a video of like how they do it. And I love some of the tiny stuff that <laughs> is made because it's just like yeah. it's just like it's so you don't think of you. Everyone thinks of the art as being like maybe like a a certain size, and then mm. but then you go to art shows and you see art that's like very very small. But the detail that goes into it is is it's mesmerizing and it's a it's really cool to watch on on the Instagram feed. I, I would encourage anyone to to go on to, to go follow Hello Print Friend and it, it's just some it shows a ton of just different styles and uh different and like the thing about relief printing is like everyone has like you can tell like what 
your style is versus like someone else's. Like it's not, it's very, it's a very unique uh, art medium. And I, I think it, and I think it's very, I think when people think of art, they often think of, you know, paintings and yeah. different things. I mean, like, and I just love printmaking in that, like you, you cut into this, whatever material you want to use and make this piece of art. Cause like the, the, when you look at it, it looks so easy. <laughs> it looks like something not easy. I shouldn't say easy. It looks like, like you painted it obviously, mm-hmm. but like I, the, how it goes onto the, you know, the paper is, I, it's mesmerizing to me, like to see how these, cause like everything that you see and like the, like the, either the, the print or like the paper color is the stuff that's not getting, is not the stuff that's getting carved out. Exactly. And like, or am I opposite? No, you're fine. No, I'm yeah, right. Yeah, I'm right. right. And I was just, and it's just, it's so, it's so cool. I, and I, I often ask my friend who, who does it, I'm like, yeah. do you sell, do you sell the original, uh, print, like the block, the block, the matrix? Yeah. Sometimes. Cause I was just like, that would be such a cool thing to have. Yeah. Uh, and, Cause like, I often wonder like, cause like often like a, a painter will spend, you know, they'll, they'll make a, a painting and it will take them like Daniel Lopez, as you mentioned, uh, Godfidi here in Spokane. I went and met with him once and was, uh, he was doing a piece in his, in his room. And I, and I was like, well, how long does like, does that take to, to do? And he's like, oh, three to four weeks, maybe like hundreds of hours and i'm like and then he's going to turn around and sell it for however much he sells it for and i'm like even if you sell it for that much it's still not worth it <laughs> like it's still like in the that i and i should ask about that is like printmaking is is different in that like when you create a print like you have like you have the original piece and you can keep on making it until you can sell the prints for you know a different price but i was just mm. like but it's still like the time and effort put into it is still that's the value of art is so strange to me. Yeah, no, I, and it's true. And well, <laughs> and that's kind of like our mission too, right? Like when you get to teach the process to other people, mm-hmm. they start to appreciate it. More. Yeah, because I feel that pre-making, I believe that pre-making is cursed by the word print. Yeah, we also say print with something that comes directly from a printer. Yeah, right, like from I don't know, like a laser printer or something like that. That you just press Control P and it comes out. Yeah, but once they take the class and they see <laughs> what it takes, then they start. Oh my gosh, that's why a print costs what it costs. Right, for sure. But it also, I mean, it's called the democratic multiples because you can make many. You can sell some, you can trade some, you can with pay some, mm. and then at the end, uh, I mean, you can pretty much distribute it with more people, and mm-hmm. that can help you out to regulate the prices too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I and and watching what goes on in like the on your feeds, like I mean, this is even on uh, Spokane Print. It's just like the different ways that how the the technical aspects people put into even doing like a a screen print where like they like do different color like the way they pull it and the way they mm-hmm. it was just like i always like because i used to do screen printing like had a like a t-shirt shop so i knew how to like nice. pull but like the way they the art the artistic 
element to it like where like i don't really explain this wrong but like putting the the different colors on the print and pulling it and then doing it again in a different color and how you get this final piece is just, it's amazing to watch it does. and mm-hmm. uh i think and i do think you're right i think i think um printmaking is kind of thought of as like a, a lesser style yeah. and yeah. it's it's definitely not especially those the pieces like i mean especially if you like got into like marble <laughs> like re- relief printing like that's you know, you gotta bu- have marble to do that <laughs> yeah for uh, sure what what do you mostly work on what is like the do you mostly do wood yeah i i like working with wood like i do well some people might consider not that not to be wood, but they oh. have medium density fiber, mm. and also I use birch plywood. Okay, those are my two favorite, uh, um, pretty much matrices that I like to carve. How how thick are they? Um, I do a quarter inch okay. sometimes because I'm running out of space, <laughs> right? And also a half an inch. Okay, yeah. Um, when we do the asphalt rollers, we often do half an inch. Yeah. When so, and you also do murals around Spokane. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how many murals have you done? I don't know, I think maybe five or six. Okay, where's yeah, like not the, that many? Where's the most like, like most public one? Uh, well, the one in Rio from Park, uh, that I did for uh, Mac Daddy's. Okay, that one is right in front of the park. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm in the, in the mall. And there is also um, the Fish Kitchen. Mm. That one is kind of public, and then there is the Baba one. Okay, so and then Baba, yeah. And obviously, those aren't uh, relief prints no. because it's. I mean, you're it's a it's a mural. Uh, so, do you still do uh, some like different styles? Like, do you still paint? Do you still do you like as an artist? Like, I knew I know like a lot of my friends who have like a certain style. They still often branch out and do other things. Just a to either test themselves or to like, because I imagine you, when you have an idea too, you're also probably sketching that out. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I sketch and then sometimes like I turn that drawing into a print. But I mean, what I, the way that I make my murals is often the same way that I carve. Mm. So, or as I draw. Actually. Okay. So I always had that problem. Like I thought like, oh my God, I don't know how to paint. Mm. But then I started looking at artists that, they take their drawings and the way that they approach drawing, the additive process, mm. and that's how they pretty much like do their murals. So yeah. I don't really paint murals; I pretty much like draw murals. Yeah. So I just change my medium and I use India ink or acrylic paint, but I pretty much do them the same way that I that I draw, mm. like doing cross hatching, uh, isometric perspective, like things like pretty much like using the line mm. has a way to create the value and then the three-dimensionality of the piece. I love that. Uh, I should talk about, so you're, you're a teacher, you were part of Hello Print Friend, you also part of Spokane Print, uh, you also have uh, RGZ Prints. Is that, is that another company in itself as well? Yeah, that's my own thing. So okay. this is kind of like my print, my, my print name. And yeah, and yeah, and Everything that I do related to like wearables and also my artwork is under the RGC print. Yeah. Right? Is this like this 
Is this new? Is it? I haven't. I don't know. I don't feel like I've seen this. Yeah. Well, the logo. Um, this is something that I draw. I started drawing since I was fourteen years old. Like okay. This fish with the gas mask, and yeah. then I put it into a thing, and my my wife helped me out with the logo. But yeah, I started releasing t-shirts like probably the last three years. Okay. Yeah. So I have been doing a series uh, related to Spokane landmarks, mm. um, and then I also do my own designs that I have in my website, the rgcprints.com. Yeah. I I. I, I I gotta say, I was surprised with a. I am a contri- I don't a contributor or a supporter of um, terrain, and last year mm-hmm. um, in the mail, I like I was not expecting this, but I received a an, a print from you yeah. uh, mm-hmm. saying that we all build this, and it has like it has Riverfront Park, and we build this in it, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, and I saw your mark on it, and at the time, I you know I. And I even have bought, I've even bought your shirt, your Spokane shirt yeah. down at, uh, um, from here. And I didn't know it was you. And so I, uh, so I have all this art before I knew you cause I just loved it. And, and I just, the, your style is so, it's really cool to look at. Oh, and thank I, you. and your art is so like, it's, it, it's really amazing. <laughs> thank uh, you. I appreciate it. And and so you, but you often go to uh, festivals, mm-hmm. art festivals, and and sell your art, correct? Yeah, I do that. So I I have been pushing my work uh, out of the state. That have been my goal for the last year and a half. Okay. So I got invited to sometimes to go to Print Austin, for example, oh, wow, yeah. which is uh, an amazing event. Uh, the Print Austin, the organization Print Austin does. I'm gonna be flying to Santa Fe. Uh, in April because I got invited to, to another uh, exhibition there. Cool. Um, and there is also a print fair there. And I have been having that opportunity to travel around. Um, th- I'm also part of a group of artists uh, called the Siete Printers. So we do uh, like printing events uh, around the United States. We have been doing some stuff in Texas. We're going to be going to L.A. in, in September. Um, and then, of course, like we had the in rally. Uh, we also sell prints there. We have the Spokane Print Fest that is happening every April. We're going to have also some fairs um, and demonstrations and workshops and exhibitions there. So, yeah, I feel the yeah pre-making is pretty much that. Like you make friends around uh, around the, the, <laughs> the pretty much the state and they invite you to the things uh, and then you stay with them and, and you continue making stuff. That's so cool. It, yeah. it seems that the, like when you say this community, like I I'm all about building the Spokane community as yeah. just like a better this a community as a whole. But like when you get into the, you know, the smaller communities, the art communities or I'm just like, it's so cool that the like the the printmaking community is so strong knit because I just think we often want to fight each other and and yeah. like or like think of each other as competitors in this space um, or in in certain spaces and I think about podcasting a lot I'm just like there's some competition there and I'm like mm-hmm. it's so much your work is so much stronger when you come together to create. And then to try to like live on an island because yeah. I just think like when you're on an island, it become it just becomes hard. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And you mentioned something really important. I mean, and I saw I showed this to my students. Uh, like we are doing the same technique that people were doing 400 years ago. Mm-hmm. The materials might change, but everybody has the same. Right now, everybody has a piece of linoleum, and I give you a pencil and a carving tool. 
and, and we're 100 people here, everybody's going to do something totally different. Mm. So when you put your ego aside there and you yeah. like contribute to, to each other, just as you say, like we help to empower each other yeah. and be better. Um, and somehow like fill the voids, you know, in each one of our strengths or, or weaknesses. Yeah. But the other thing too that happens, there is still composition between oh, yeah. pre-makers. For sure. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, I see my friend Ben Munoz. I mean, on Fridays, I feel kind of lazy. Like, I don't want to do anything. And then I see my friend Ben Munoz, like, pulling these big prints. It's like, no, I need to <laughs> get my crap together and start working. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, that is, that is the thing. But it's also this larger vision you know that we're contributing to pre-making to a media that have been somehow through history yeah. push like something that is not as valuable as mm. painting for example mm. but you will be surprised though how many of your favorite painters like picasso did pre-making mm. but people don't know about it that's true yeah that's interesting mm -hmm. well because I, I mean i mean also print like printmaking was a, a, a good probably a good way back in in the early 1900s or I mean before before like commercial printing started mm -hmm. happening like it was a good way to probably if you were an artist to make money in a I guess a, a more like having having more pieces to sell yeah exactly and yeah. also like to spread the 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 word yeah you know that was basically the the main idea um and there's something else that is beautiful about pre-making is like many of the revolutions that we have in history started because of a print that was multiply huh. you know people yeah. didn't know how to read but they had an image and they saw it rep repeated so many places that yeah. then like people started like activating and seeing themselves reflected and then and um, that sparked something in within themselves and then they went and pursued that that's so true i mean it in in popular culture you see it a lot now with uh, shepherd fairy oh, yeah. what he did and uh like we are like we are a pot is it we are a posse i forget the the actual term but like and then obviously believe or was it believe what obama's poster oh, but yeah. but yeah mm -hmm. you're right that's so true that's a that's such a art is such a the history of art is just so amazing and i think people really should like you spend more i should spend more not i'm not saying you i should spend more time learning about the history of art just because it is it's so fascinating. Yeah, come to the print shop. I, yeah, I That's absolutely the first, will. The first step. Yeah. <laughs> um, how can people see your art now? Like, I know you can get on your Instagram at um, RGZ Prints, um, or is it just RGZ? RGZ Prints. Okay, and that's how you can see it virtually. But how can you see your stuff in person? Well, I mean, you can come to uh, the Spokane Print and Publishing Center. Usually, there on Mondays. Um, you can check the rgcprints.com page, the reynaldogilsonbrano.com. Um, we're going to be having a show in April for the Print Fest, the Spokane mm. Print Fest. And that's going to be a first Friday at the Terrain Gallery. We're having a beautiful cohort of, of national artists and also international ones. We're going to do some demos there. And then, of course, we will have the fair to kick off the Spokane Print Fest at the Hive. And that will be, I believe, April 2nd. Okay. Or first, that's a Saturday. Yeah. So yeah, come by and see prints. Uh, I mean, pretty much like people making prints, and also you can purchase your favorite artist prints here too. Absolutely, that's so cool. And you, I want to say, I did not even know about. I mean, I know about the Print Fest. I did not know it was happening in April, and this is coming out in March. And I'm it. What a happy accident! Because when I was asking to come on, I was just like, I need to. I told. Ronaldo, I'd have him on the podcast sometime, and 
and but this is awesome that it's ha- that this worked out so well. It, it was it was meant to happen like this. No, that's pre- no awesome, and I really appreciate that. But yeah, seriously, check out SpokanePrintFest.org. Okay. Um, you can see the whole program in there. We have exhibition in different locations around town. We have uh, workshops that some of your favorite regional artists are teaching. And then also we have demonstrations. Um, it's just like many, many things. And then we have a celebration to close everything because Spokane Print and Publishing Center will be turning one more year old. Awesome. And we're going to celebrate Oh, so that. I get it. So like mm-hmm. this is all comes in with the your anniversary, the uh, Spokane Print anniversary. Exactly. Yeah, awesome. the SPPC, yeah. So mm-hmm. how many years will it be now? Uh, I believe six. Six years. Or five, yeah, something like that. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, you've, that's a, that's a, as soon as, I always say as soon as you hit two is a, means you've, you've made it. <laughs> now, obviously in, in this world it's a little, yeah. but I think, but that's awesome that you guys have been around for five years and I, I think it will, I mean, I think I, I hope that it will be around forever. Yeah, no, so. I mean, we so uh, we survived COVID. You know? Yeah, for and sure. Thanks to our members, so and we're still going strong. So yeah, you should you guys should check it out. In a, on an unrelated note, like you were talking about the best taco place, I will say De Leon. Oh, Sorry, okay, going back. You know, it's <laughs> funny. Uh, my last guest said the same thing. De Leon had really good tacos, and honestly, I've never. I've had their burritos and I've never, I've never tried their tacos. Yeah. So carnitas, man. Mm. Those are the ones. Well, I we're ending up the show, but before Thank we so end much. the show, I always got to ask my the question that I always end it with is why Spokane? Because it's a vibrant community that is really supportive and offers so many um, opportunities for people, for our students, and for our makers to have uh, materialize an idea. And see it having a direct impact with mm. the people who live here. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I mean, and and I feel that that's why Spokane is so amazing. Like you can see it with Terrain, the SPPC, mm. um, you know, like so many other organizations. That I mean, they do something here. People support them, and they bloom. Yeah, I mean, when you say Saga Grounds, I always think Spokane Arts. Of like, course, it's like, Spokane Arts. Yeah. Like they do so much to help uh, help artists in the community. You know, make. That make it happen by giving, helping them get access to grants and stuff like that. And yeah. um, I think, and I also don't think, I don't think all artists know of all the opportunity to, to, to receive these types of um, things. Like, I mean, I imagine it, 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 it's easy to find it, but not everyone knows about it. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, you need to be looking, but there is definitely all these people from these organizations, they're really like eager to help. Yes. And they put a lot of stuff there. And that's why like, I need to thank you about having this space too, mm. because it allows to like reach out a different audience, yeah. you know, and highlight the many, many things that are happening right here. It's so exciting to be living in Spokane right now. It is. It I re- love it. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's why I started this podcast with my friends, Oh, five years ago and uh and why i ended up starting spokecast as a company i just think like spoke spokane is really is really really changing and it's yeah. changing for the better and i know we have a lot of work to do still but of course but there's a lot of amazing people that are doing amazing things so. yeah and i mean and the people who came and you know, pavel came mm. last april um, yeah 
uh, Killjoy, all those artists that came from Texas, they were so amazed yeah. with the, you know, the the things that are happening here, the vibe, the opportunities, the Prince Studio, the fa- the fact that we have the falls going through <laughs> the downtown area. Um, they were just so excited, um, and they didn't realize, yeah, of the amazing things that we have here. And I feel that when you're living in the space, it's a little bit harder sometimes to realize the amazing things that are happening around you. Yes, definitely. I think. It's hard, like it's easy to criticize the yeah. city that you live in when you've been there your whole life, yeah. uh, and then when you take a step out and you see other places, you realize, oh, like maybe it's not as bad in Spokane as I think it is, exactly. <laughs> especially when you visit other places. Yeah. But like, yeah, but I will say, like, it Spokane has its faults, but I think I think we're all doing. Um, I think it's getting a lot better. So again, Ronaldo, thank thank you so much much for being on the podcast. Uh, Thank you all for listening. And uh, till next time, peace. I said it's all about you and no one else I said don't you just wanna love yourself Let me hear you sing it louder Don't you just wanna love yourself I said it's all about you and no one else I said don't you just wanna love yourself Let me hear you sing it louder Gonna do it like me This is a production of Spokass Production Studios located in Spokane, Washington. Our city, our stories. And a big thank you to Jinx Universe for letting us use his song, Like Me, from his latest album, Make It Look Good. Peace.